0: week 10 and it seems sad but fitting that we've come full circle and are talking about isolation. Restrictions for COVID-19 are cranking up and we're set not to see our loved ones for another six months or more. week 10. Um, I'm Sean And I'm Sarah. And welcome to How to Survive in Isolation. Yes. Mark two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: well when we planned to do this episode, we hadn't gone into this next stage of lockdown, had
0: we? No, but now we are. But now we are, so it feels very fitting. So here in the UK, pubs close at 10pm. Apart from in Parliament. Apart from in Parliament, that stays open, of course. Um, Yeah, and, you know, no more seeing house- other households. No,
1: all the all the young students, 18-year-olds, that have gone to university and are locked up in their halls and are told that they can't see their families. So we were talking
0: about this before. We were talking about how messed up it is. And one could almost say corrupt. Uh, a government has behaved by saying to these young people, first of all, that their A-level results were corrupted by an algorithm, mm. and then to tell them that they need to go to university... Uh, so they all go and they're told it's gonna to be COVID safe, and then to find that after two weeks of isolation, they're now locked in and they're being held in with police. And I don't know about you, but I remember the first
1: when I moved away from home for the first time, um, to go to university. At sweet was, young eighteen. Yeah, and all the people that really didn't cope very well being away from home. I mean, I was okay because I had four yeah four younger brothers. That I went to escape, but a lot of people were really homesick
0: and it's a really big change it and it's, really is. there isn't enough support a lot of the university students have been speaking out there isn't any support for their mental health no it's been handled really badly and imagine being told that you cannot go home and see your family mm-hmm. for christmas it's the worst and you've just shed out like nine and a half grand for that year
1: so you have paid nine and a half grand for the privilege
0: of being in prison essentially <laughs> with and not yeah so you're but you're locked up with people you've only just met as well they've they've only been in there two weeks with but, these new housemates and that brings us
1: down to the theme of isolation though because until you bond it you're essentially out there on your
0: own yeah totally and what if you're locked down with a load of people that a you don't like and b you don't think you're going to like yeah and what if it's, it's just a bad match? It's
1: all very random, isn't it, how people end up living together. Exactly. And sometimes you get on really well and other times Not so much. No. So this week, as we said, we're talking about surviving isolation. Yeah. Um I read some stuff in an American Psychological Association article and also an article in the BBC by Michael Bond. Um so I read that this psychologist Hawkley points to evidence of perceived social isolation with adverse health consequences including depression Poor sleep quality Impaired executive functioning So like those higher level sure. logic thoughts and things um, Accelerated cognitive decline So like dementias Poor cardiovascular function And impaired immunity at every stage of life Social isolation unleashes an extreme immune response Oh right Yeah I didn't know this A cascade of stress hormones and inflammation It's thought that this originates from our hunter-gatherer ancestors Where being isolated from the group posed a bigger risk In terms of becoming Great carnivores, sure. And in terms of benefiting from the group gathering food, because yeah, yeah. food wasn't just like in your supermarket, it, was no, it no. you had to really work for your food.
0: Yeah, there wouldn't be any of this, uh, you <laughs> know,
1: panic hunting. So the hunting for the toilet rolls, where you have to like gather as many toilet rolls yeah, as you yeah. possibly can, we'd know. then
0: have to share them with the rest of the group. I don't think people do people that would not want to do that with it. <laughs>
1: So, if you weren't in the group, it is likely that you would die, because, you know, Someone would eat different. you. Someone yeah, would come, come and eat you. or you would starve. Biologists believe that emotions evolved because they aided cooperation between our early ancestors who benefited from living in the group. Some of the most profound effects of loneliness and isolation are on the mind. Yes. So, those in isolation can experience something called time shifts. Ooh.
0: Hmm. Sounds like a Channel 4 TV show. Time shift. Time team. Time team. That's what you're thinking of. <laughs> quite like that (laughs) we'll start a new one called time shift in
1: 1961 french geologist michel led a two-week expedition to study an underground glacier beneath the french alps and he ended up staying for two months um so when he came out they did like loads of experiments and things on him okay yeah and it was found that it, it took him five minutes to count what he thought was 120 seconds Time literally slowed down
0: for him. Wow. How long is 128 seconds? 120 seconds. Is two minutes. Two minutes. Oh, okay, period. so he was out by three minutes. Yeah. That's not staggering. Have you ever tried, though? I'm dyslexic. I have no ability to be aware of concept of time. I
1: did my degree in psychology, and I remember doing, like, a whole module on the psychology of time. Okay. And the whole time flies when, it, when sure, you're when you're fun, having fun. Because it does. And it's really interesting, the experiments where you are asked, you might be given a task or not a task, and asked to guess how much time's elapsed. It's really interesting how, dependent on what context, what you guess. In the 1950s and 60s, China was rumoured to use solitary confinement to brainwash American prisoners captured during the Korean War. Experiments exist where participants experienced extreme isolation and they experienced hallucinations. Oh, wow. We are all different, and while some experience difficulties in isolation, others thrive. So let me tell you a little story. In 1968, there was this conversation competition. There were nine entries in total and it was a non-stop around the world solo sailing race. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna tell you about two of those competitors. Moitessier was an ascetic Frenchman who seemed to really enjoy being alone on his boat. He practiced yoga on the deck and fed cheese to the sheer water birds that shadowed him. He found the experience so fulfilling and the idea of returning to civilization so distasteful that he abandoned the race, despite having a good chance of winning, and just kept on sailing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is he just still
0: looping around the earth? Well,
1: he eventually landed in Tahiti. Okay. After travelling more than halfway around the world again. Nice. So he, so like, himself. Lap- one lap- and a half times around the world. And he said... I continue non-stop because I am happy at sea. And he said, and perhaps I want to save my soul. Yeah. However, another competitor called Crowhurst left England ill-prepared and sent fake reports of his supposed progress through the sun seas whilst never actually leaving the Atlantic. Nice. He drifted aimlessly for months off the coast of South America becoming increasingly depressed and lonely. He eventually retreated to his cabin and consolidated his fantasies in a rambling, 20 Fifty-five thousand-word philosophical treatise before jumping overboard. Oh my God! And his body was never found. Jesus. So yeah, some people thrive in isolation. Yeah. Some people die in isolation. Die, yeah.
0: Really shouldn't have done. Yeah. Oh dear. Round the world sailing wasn't for him. It's not for me. I don't. I don't think I would do well solo cruising around the world. I think I'd do better a with someone who could sail a ship. <laughs> <laughs> And had some knowledge of, of where we were heading, uh, yeah. maybe a map reader. Oh, that'd be um cool. And also, I think I'd be better on a crew, mainly with a crew of people who knew what they were doing. I thought you were going to say I'd be better on a cruise. <laughs> well, no, because I've watched videos of cruises, and I don't think they're for me. Oh, I think it's hell on earth. There are too many people... So many people. ...on the cruise. What I'd do better at is um, yachting. Have you ever been on a yacht? No, but I quite like the idea of it being just a few people and uh, some professional sailing people. Yes, yeah been on the yacht and it's it is fun but it's... how rich are you?
1: I'm not rich okay
0: did you get to have cocktails on the yacht? no you did it wrong then I had ginger biscuits to stop me vomiting okay <laughs> <laughs> So um, when me and Mike went on our mini-moon, we went to Liverpool and I wanted to go on the um, cross the Mersey in the, on the boat. The ferry across on the ferry. The I wanted to go on the ferry across the Mersey. They play that song the entire time. I too, thought you know? it was going to be romantic. It's not. No, we had a few drinks before, the day before, so we were a little hungover. We stood on the gangway and uh, it was moving, but I started to feel increasingly unwell. And I thought, no, it'd be fine. So once I'm on the boat, it'll be all right. Turns out I am very seasick. It was a gentle crossing. Ooh, you were seasick on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you can't I spent the entire time hanging over the edge doing deep breathing to not throw up. Oh no. But I still want to cruise around the world in Do a fancy that? yacht. So anyone really wants fun. to
1: take me, sorry. The uh, What's really fun is the fast ferry to Dublin in the old island. And the fast ferry, if you like try and walk, it's everyone that's trying to walk looks really drunk. Nice. Just like staggering around, it's amazing. <laughs> That does oh, yeah, sound take fun um, Take sickness. Okay. okay. For that
0: one I liked your uh, Stories there So um, okay. I have a story For you We need to talk About Robert Maudsley. Do we? We do And I got Some of this information From the Live, The Wakefield Express Ooh. Wikipedia And Murderpedia I love Murderpedia And I also watched A documentary Called Making a Monster Have I seen that? I think it's on my watch list You should do Robert John Maudsley Was born 26th of June nineteen. 19- he was the fourth child of a Liverpool lorry driver. Before his second birthday, Robert, his brother Paul and Kevin and his sister Brenda, I like that name, Brenda,
1: Brenda.
0: were all taken into care after they were found to be suffering from parental neglect. They spent their early years in a Catholic orphanage in Cosbury. Oh uh, and it was it, it was recorded that in Lazarus' house, the children flourished. Paul, Robert's brother, remembered at the orphanage we all got on really well. Our parents would come and visit, but they were just strangers. The nuns were our family, and we used to all stick together. Yeah, I mean, we all often think you know Catholic orphanages are horrible, but maybe their home life was so horrible that with <laughs> the strictness also, of the nuns, yeah, was like that's comfort that's equally shocking. Yeah, isn't it? it is.
1: Yeah, because children should be in families. Yes, they should.
0: At the age of eight, uh, Maudsley and his siblings were retrieved by his parents and subjected to routine physical and mm. mental abuse. Morsley later claimed that he was raped as a child and that's why he has such uh, deep psychological scars. He himself said, all I remember of my childhood is beatings. Once I was locked in a room for six months and my father only opened the door to come in and beat me four to six times a day. Wow. Trauma? Locked in the room for six months. Trauma? So much trauma. As a child, as an eight year old child That's horrendous. horrendous. During the late 60s, as soon as he was a teenager and he was free to leave Liverpool, he did. His father told the rest of his family Robert had died. What the fuck? Nice. So we're really dealing with what kind of calibre his dad was there. When he went down to London, he worked as a sex worker to support himself and his increasing addiction to drugs. And we can only imagine that he was addicted to drugs because of all the abuse he was suffering. Of course. He sought help after several suicide attempts. Morsley was vulnerable and he was damaged. It was in 1974 that Morsley killed his first victim, John Farrell. 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 Farrell? Far- 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 Let me try that name again. John Farrell. Farrell was one of Maudley's clients. He wasn't a nice guy. He himself was a child abuser. Nice. Farrell showed Maudley photos of a paedophilic nature, and Maudley reacted and garroted Farrell. Yeah, it's not the right reaction, but he was clearly kind of triggered there. Wasn't sure. He? So he said, like in one of, the, I think it was in the documentary, he said that um, whenever he like met a paedophile or was triggered in that way, he would like hallucinate his father's face. So it was like PTSD, like he was just mm. reliving it. And he also felt that he'd done the world a service. This in removing Farrell, he was arrested and later oh. sentenced to life imprisonment with recommendation that he's never released because of the brutal crime. When he killed this Farrell guy, it was pretty, pretty violent. To, to corrupt someone is awfully, dangerous. but I think that's the polite way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, like I think I think it was full on violence. Mosley was sent to Broadmoor Hospital, mm-hmm. where in 1977 he and another inmate, a chap called David Cheeseman... Cheeseman! oh my god, <laughs> sorry. It's an amazing name. Um, locked them. I'm sorry, I should be laughing at this, but David Cheeseman locked themselves in a cell with a third pa- uh, patient named David Francis, who was serving a sentence as a convicted child molester, So, Cheeseman and Maudsley tortured the other guy for a long time and they eventually oh murdered him. They killed him by sticking a spoon into his ear. Uh, the murder earned him the name the Hann- Hannibal the Cannibal mm. among the British press and it was reported he ate his victims' brains. I don't think did. Um, this was proven to be untrue yeah. through the autopsy report and the British press were told to stop chatting shit, basically. After the incident, Maudsley was convicted of murder. Man- and sent to Wakefield Prison. Uh, he disliked the transfer and made it clear that he wanted to return to Broadmoor. So I was pondering over that. So if you are, if you commit murder in a mental health hospital, how can you then be seen as being sane enough to go to regular prison?
1: Okay, so he was deemed mentally unsound, so he couldn't go to prison. So first crime. Yeah. He's deemed to be mentally unsound, so he couldn't go to prison. He has to go to hospital for treatment. Yeah. But then he killed someone but then in hospital. Second crime. Are they then saying that he is mentally sound because it does? seems like it doesn't it yeah I'm just thinking from his obviously he's done
0: some horrendous things from his
1: point of view he still
0: had some horrendous things he's still Mm -hmm. very well man on the afternoon of 1978 Morsley killed two fellow prisoners at Wakefield prison He was planning on seven. His first victim of the day was Darwood, a murderer convicted of the manslaughter of his wife, Blanche. His second victim was Roberts. He was serving time for sexual assault of a seven-year-old girl. After the killings, he walked up calmly to the officer in charge and informed him there would be two less for dinner. During a spell in Pankhurst, on the Isle of Wight, Morsley met psychiatrist Dr. Bob Johnson. That's a great name, isn't it? (laughs) He sounds lovely, does Bob johnson <laughs> both dr bob and Morsley felt real progress was being made and Morsley was beginning the long and hard road to healing from the trauma he'd suffered as a child that had led him to commit such violent acts but then without warning the treatment was cut off and Morsley was moved back to wakefield as far as i can tell the prison authorities are trying to break him says his brother paul every time they see him making a little progress they throw the spanner into the work. In 1983, Morsley was entombed in a cell in the basement of Wakefield. This is so... Dubbed the Glass Cage. So awful. Yeah. It's called the Glass Cage because it's so similar to the prison that Hannibal Lecter was kept in in the film The Silence of the Lambs. In this film, not real life. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, This is real life. 5.5 metres by 4.5 metres. It has huge bulletproof windows, which prison officers can watch Morsley through. The only furniture is a table and a chair which are both made out of compressed cardboard I thought that was interesting while the toilet and sink are bolted to the floor the bed is a concrete slab and the door is made of solid steel which opens into a cage just inside
1: so basically it's the ultimate prison because there's nothing there's no, he has no control over his environment and he, there is
0: no way out there's no way there's out. no way he can hurt himself to no. like, get out of it or anything no. and it's so stark it's not it's not uh, I'm not saying that but actually no because he's a really unwell man so there should be some therapeutic stuff for him. He's
1: done some really horrendous things, but actually a life in that box... It's not going to make him better, is it? No, therapy will make it's you better. Going to be really damaging, if anything. Yeah, it's going to. And I realise he's committed some horrendous
0: He is like you know it is awful what he's done. Yeah. I'm not yeah, but I think we can say we it. don't condone what he's done. But actually, as compassionate people, we want him to receive help and support. He's a human being to make the best of of what he mm-hmm. can. I'm not saying release him, but maybe. So he needs him. to be in that kind of environment. I don't. I, just just I don't think anyone needs to be in that so kind of environment. So So he's just got this concrete slab, and he's locked up in his cell 23 hours a day he's only freed for one hour for exercise and he's escorted to the yard by six guards and he's never allowed any contact with any inmates
1: all i can think of is that little eight like year old boy
0: stuck in that mm. when he's been beaten by his dad in an interview Morsley said he felt tormented in solitary confinement there's a lack of hope and i don't appear to have anything to look forward to I think the officers could stop and talk, but they never do. That's what he said. March 2000, Maudsley uh, unsuccessfully pled for the terms of his solitary confinement to be relaxed or to be allowed to commit suicide by cyanide capsule. He also asked for a pet budgie, all of which were denied. His speech has been affected due to prolonged times in isolation, um, and the last contact he made with Dr. Bob was a little handwritten note that said all alone now. Wow. He has done some terrible crimes. I can't imagine what the families must feel for the victims but he is a human being and are we treating him as a human being by locking him up like that
1: thank you for sharing that that is a story that i know every time i hear it it just he's still in it though it chills me that he is in that It's just like, it's like the
0: most awful horror film we can ever imagine, isn't it? Yeah. I just think that as human beings, we we can afford some compassion. That doesn't mean that we don't consider him dangerous, but it does mean that we offer him some dignity.
1: And have a bit of belief that people can be helped. And Dr. Bob
0: was convinced that the work they were
1: doing was working. Yes, he's done some heinous things, but he's had a traumatic upbringing, and I just, I still can't justify treating somebody no. like that, no
0: matter what they've done. No, and he said himself, you know, if if he had well, if killed, he killed his, yeah. if he'd killed his parents, then none of that would have escalated. If he, but he was an eight-year-old kid, how could he have killed his dad? You know, he couldn't stop the abuse.
1: Well, it kept going, didn't it? As yeah, like even when he left home, he was still being abused, yeah, wasn't exactly,
0: he? Yeah, wow, Sean. Well, have you got
1: something a little bit more cheery, I hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've saved us here. Um, so I'm going to tell tell you a story about somebody called John McAvoy. Okay, so John McAvoy is a Nike sponsored athlete who has first hand experience of isolation, and he used it to turn his life around. Oh wow! Yeah. So my um source for this are John McAvoy's own like web pages, and also a podcast by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Feel better, live more. I believe it's called. But he's interviewed John. McAvoy, he's done two episodes with him right? and from listening to that I wanted to share this with you. Okay, I'm sat comfortably Then I'll begin (laughs) So McAvoy was an armed robber who had nearly been shot dead by the police twice Wow! And he was handed down a life sentence at the age of just 24 Jesus! Mm -hmm. I want to tell you this story because it's really inspired me and McAvoy wants others to learn from his experience of what he learned during solitary confinement and how to thrive in isolation. Okay. So a bit about McAvoy McAvoy's father died before he was born and so the only father figure that he knew was his mother's ex-husband, Billy Tobin. He took a young McAvoy under his wing when he was just eight years old. McAvoy describes being impressed by the fine clothing and jewelry that Tobin wore, and the fancy dinners that he took him out to. McAvoy was amazed by Tobin's talk of how he was a multimillionaire by the time he was twenty-one. Wow! And, yeah, and McAvoy wanted this life himself. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. Easily you know, impressed. Very working-class background. Single yeah, yeah. mom. What young McAvoy didn't know was that Billy Tobin was a prolific armed robber, and he'd just been released from prison after serving sixteen years. Not a good choice No McAvoy says It's very attractive When you're a young kid And you've got these older men Who live like cowboys They're very reckless And they've got no respect For the law You can get sucked in Quite easily I bet mm, lifestyle criminality Became
0: completely normal to me Well it's, you're so young You get really indoctrinated Into it don't you We live in a world Where material wealth Is really important People put a lot of Value on uh, The clothes you wear The car you drive Even if you've not Earned it yeah, and Legitimately He is
1: seeking a father figure and this guy is really impressive Dads are important mm. So when he was just a teenager McAvoy got a five year sentence for carrying out armed robbery using a fake gun Whilst out on license in 2005 He was arrested again as his gang went to hold up a van carrying cash Shit yes McAvoy pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit robbery and one count of possession of firearms with intent to commit robbery unbelievably in my opinion McAvoy at just 24 years of age was sentenced to life imprisonment so for one count of conspiracy to commit robbery and one count of possession of firearms. He got life sentence. Not hurt anyone. No, no. But because of his family history and connections, and concerns that he may escape, and that his connections yeah, yeah, yeah. would help him He's got the name. He was placed on the maximum security wing of Belmarsh Prison. McAvoy says, "I regret everything that I did as a young person. I've always accepted full responsibility for my actions. No one made me do what I did when I was a young kid. When I was a man, I made those decisions, and I do regret them." He goes on to say, "But I don't regret spending the time that I spent in prison." That ten years It's where I grew as a person It changed my mindset It changed my outlook on life Whilst in prison McAvoy wanted to fight the system But then he realised That you had to come to a point of acceptance And work out how you can make The best of a situation Mm -hmm. Very zen He says when I was in isolation for a whole year in a segregation cell, if I'd sat there on day one thinking, I'm going to spend the next 365 days of my life locked in this eight foot by 12 foot cell, I wouldn't have been able to mentally cope with that. No, So I had to develop coping strategies and I wanted to grow in that situation. I wanted to feel alive and I did that by doing cell circuits of burpees, nice press-ups, step-ups, sit-ups, and I'd do thousands of each exercise. Wow, because that just made me feel alive. Yeah, I guess getting your heart rate up And he says I didn't understand at that time About exercise and mental health But obviously it was having profound impact And I would read every day So I went through this transition of growth When I was in this situation So it made me think of you Do you remember at the beginning of lockdown? When I was in prison Oh right, yeah No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you made your
0: junkyard No Yeah, yeah I made my junkyard I gym My junkyard gym, yeah You did, didn't you? Yeah
1: And that kept you Kept me going for a bit It did And that, you know, it's a similar thing, isn't it? Yeah,
0: totally Getting endorphins running And your body. Is really important.
1: Yeah. So at the time, like he said, he'd never exercised. So when he went into prison, he was overweight. Um, you know, he's a young man, but very overweight. He like loads of drugs and yeah. drinking and those kind of things. So he's not in the best shape. He's never done exercise. wasn't into it at school or anything. But just one day, he just got up and he was like, "Okay, I'm going to do this." Yeah. And he really struggled at first, but he built it up by doing like, "I'm going to do ten burpees today. To I'm going to do twenty tomorrow." Yeah. So he was literally doing a thousand. Wow. Of each exercise every day and he started going to the prison gym more and at the age of 26 he got onto a rowing machine for the first time he rode 20 miles and everything ate but he found that when he was on that rowing machine it completely took him out of the prison nice it's like he went somewhere yeah, else yeah. in his head it was a real escape and mcavoy went from this to smashing world record after world record on that rowing machine Wow. seriously and the guy and um, the gym guy at the prison that prison officer is absolutely amazing. He just completely encouraged and supported him because he noticed and, and this is all me remembering what yeah, I yeah. heard on the podcast Um, he noticed how able McAvoy was on yeah, the yeah. machine like how quick he was and his endurance Yeah, yeah. and he was kind of like oh do you know that there's world records yeah, that you, that can, you try can do and... so he started off small and just got bigger and bigger and bigger that's and
0: amazing to be so encouraged yeah it's really important to have someone like that in your life so important and obviously it's everyone needs a cheerleader it, it's changed his life it yeah, is it's no yeah. one if you, if he'd just been stuck in his cell just doing his own thing you know he might have had a great time as well but to go out and find that someone is seeing your potential and your work because i think and wants to help you achieve it I think what I get from him is he's always wanted to be successful,
1: so he Don't we all,
0: really yeah. deep down? Don't we all just want to be good and
1: successful? But originally, you saw that success as being having the fancy Shop. shoots, the nice cars, yeah, yeah. and all those things. Because that's what his influence was. Mm. But then this showed him that, you know, he gets successful in sport. Yeah. Um. So now he's out of prison, he competes in Ironman competitions. Sweet. Um, as I said He's a Nike sponsored athlete Which means he's really good Nice And he's also an advisor To government But his main focus Is on helping others Aww. So he's kind of graduated From that Getting the stuff out yeah. of sport Thing And he says When I started With my kids People in the prison service I realised the greatest thing That you can do with your life Is service to others And helping other people When I was doing things For people that couldn't do Anything in return for me It made me feel amazing And it was so rewarding If I've made someone else's life A little bit better And their kids lives A little bit better Because their interaction with me. That's what legacy actually is. It lives on. Not like winning a medal or being really fast at running a marathon. It's actually human contact
0: with other people. I think what he's just said about legacy is incredibly important because yes. having that is insane. I would really encourage listening to him talk I, I will. find I'm really gonna, inspiring. I'm gonna check him out. Uh, I will uh, stalk him on the old uh, <laughs> on the old Instagram. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I find him really inspiring And he's just really genuine Like when you hear him talk And he's so enthusiastic He believes everything that he's saying Aww. Yeah, I really like him Well
0: thanks for sharing that about him He sounds like a great guy Yeah,
1: and he also gives so he gives some top tips for um... Excellent, it's like he knew it's He like knows that we like top tips We do like top tips But he gives some top tips for um, isolation And he's relating it to
0: As well as being in prison Our current isolation Excellent Hit, hit us up with... Uh... McAvoy's top tips, oh, right. as read by Sarah.
1: <laughs> okay, so number one is routine, and it's so important. I don't it know sure about you, Jean, um, But in prison, McAvoy found having structure so important. Keeping routine and keeping active your mental well being, and um, and even a ten minute walk outside can make a difference. So, yep. like in the current restrictions. Do you remember at the beginning where you were literally allowed out for exercise for one hour. one hour? He's like, no, embrace that. You are allowed out. Yeah, yeah. Go out there and do your exercise. And um, he says, do something to be active, even if you cannot go outside. It can be the smallest things. So maybe I was thinking, like, if you can't go outside and you can't do a lot, you could be like getting stuff out your cupboards, putting it on the kitchen countertops, and maybe putting back in again. Yeah, or
0: you know, take it out, clean it, Ooh, then put, it, then
1: back put it, back in. it back in again. It's just a bit of movement, and yeah. it's good for you. And um, he says, this is a real. Opportunity Opportunity to evaluate your life and make any changes that you've been thinking about. So, what do you want to do when this lockdown ends? Ooh, that's yeah. a good and deep question. We should probably
0: all ask ourselves daily. Yeah.
1: What you so um, on the podcast? Song and was saying that he sees a GP and he's a bit of a I'm going to say celebrity, but he's like he goes on all these tours okay. and things. He's like he used to be Doctor in the House. It was a program on um, TV. Um, so he's like busy and away all the time yeah. But being in lockdown He is at home okay. With his wife and his children And he's loving it So sure. for him he was kind of like oh. So actually after this pause button's taken off I do want to be around more with my family Well that's, that's nice more important than... Yeah Yeah. so actually this is Although it seems really awful And we've all had our dark moments haven't we well, We, we sure like, have. can't do this McAvoy is saying Use it as an opportunity Yeah. Just evaluate things and what are you going to keep, what are you not going to keep, those kind of things. So he says use this time as a moment of growth. It really is about mindset. What is a hobby you've always wanted to try, a language you've wanted to learn? Seeing it as an opportunity. Yeah, not just. Grasp it by the horns. Not a prison that's been enforced on us. He also says this is an amazing opportunity for humanity. Even if you just put a note under your neighbour's door and say, if you need anything, just phone me and leave your number. We're all in this together and everyone in their own regard is struggling. That's nice. I like that. And he says it's about reframing where we are. We're not imprisoned. We're actually saving people's lives by not going out into the community and spreading the virus. You're actually a service
0: to society. That's nice. Yeah. By reframing it, I really like that. Fun feelings. Yeah. That's really nice. Um, I also found some great top tips um, by reading themetro.co.uk, written by uh, Sally Whitelock. I've got some good names today. She spoke to another guy called Benjamin Pothier. Who was a name. Isn't it? He was a NASA spacesuit tester. Oh, you are so excited. Look at your little face. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a job. <laughs> Who knew? I mean, I might reevaluate what yeah, I'm doing, I think and you a, I job. might become a tester of some sort of suit. <laughs> some spacesuit tester. Benjamin says, try as much as you can to plan your activities. Mm-hmm. Plan the next days uh, before you go to bed. Take two minutes just to sit down, slowly breathe, and make a mental list of all the positive things that you have accomplished that day. Have you cleaned the windows? Have you fixed the sink? Have you wrote an email Hell to a friend? No. <laughs> uh, congratulations, you have achieved something. So so just be you know, even if yeah, it's, no, a small it's important thing. I joke, but it is be. really important.
1: Yeah. Like I know at the points during lockdown I've been like writing down I got out of bed tick.
0: Yeah. Well he says that. Mm-hmm. Having that being able to tick something off on your list yeah. is a really good feeling. Tip number three Three, do your inventory. Stock up on your medicines, food, but don't panic buy. Take some time to remove expired products and clean your shelves. Be aware of your resources and plan accordingly. Mm -hmm. If you want new wardrobes, check that IKEA are stocking them. We've recently checked. Yeah, wardrobes that we want, the cheapest ones. Uh, are not going to be available until January That's because
1: every fucker who's been furloughed hasn't it? I, I do apologise But they've been doing up their homes
0: I know, I've gotten late so I can't have any wardrobes No But what we did was uh, we trashed what used to be our wardrobes And thought we could just go and get some new ones <laughs> Turns out and we no can't you didn't. So now we just have piles of clothes We now refer to the cat as Lord of the Sockpile Because <laughs> <of> I- very sweet <laughs> <sleeps. laughs> Lord of the Sockpile <laughs> Take care of your living space. This is your habitat. Uh, Be it a small apartment or a large house with a garden, keep your living space tidy every day. Do something extra on the weekends to improve your interior. Uh, Don't experience self-isolation as a constraint. Train physically. Stay busy both uh, physically and mentally. Most studies conducted by NASA... And other space agencies I love that there are other space agencies mm-hmm. indicate importance of daily physical activities in order to manage the stress of confinement. and uh, number six, don't aim for impossible goals. I don't even say anything more about that? I know, oh, I
1: think that's really important because oh, yeah, it
0: says don't do five hundred push-ups in the first week. That is
1: sorry. but also like that whole people who are like super achievers and put a lot of pressure on themselves they've got to be like I've got to do ten thousand push-ups. Yeah, then I've got to clean the oven, then I've got to make a thousand but God, yeah, right. totally And I think
0: sometimes um, Social media doesn't help no. I mean, I remember the beginning Of when we were in lockdown the first time I'm talking like a veteran lockdown Who well, we are we now, aren't we? And when I was in uh, lockdown the first time <laughs> uh, I really struggled by looking at social media mm-hmm. And everyone else seemed to be Really getting on with stuff Whereas mm-hmm. I was I had no creativity No energy, no drama. I remember that, yeah And I was just like It was really hard I cleaned the oven uh, well, And I was I genuinely proud it. of myself Yeah <laughs>
1: You should be, but I was proud of you with your gym girl gym though. Thank you. Because and I had like the massive envy because everyone was sorting out all their cupboards and decorating their houses, but I I'm a key worker and I actually do, you? no, I was under immense pressure and having to work all hours, so it was kind of it
0: was really stressful. I felt you stressed. I know I shared it. <laughs> stress shared is a stress halved. The well known nursing. Number seven on my top tips. Well, they're no, not mine. The Benjamin's top tips. Sorry, Benji. Communicate with people. Take some time to connect with friends, family, yes. and colleagues. Um, astronauts on the International Space Station, they do that. Mm-hmm. They contact their loved ones on Earth. If you're in self-isolation with a group of people, give them enough space, but make sure no one is becoming isolated within the group itself. Support each other Communicate within the group And the outside world yes. You're not in space Oh that's really good Number 8 Find some time for yourself You don't need to suddenly become a meditation master But remember take a few minutes every day Just for yourself without any screens Now um, we've started doing tarot As a way to uh, yes. meditate And calm and centre our minds mm-hmm. uh, And I, I think it's going to be A really good habit once I form it <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. I think it'll be really good. So yeah. yeah, I think finding something that, you know, either it maybe it's yoga, meditation, tarot, knitting, Whatever it is It can just really focus And calm your mind Yeah
1: Just anything It could literally Adding be a dog. Anything But it's so important Find out what gives you That calm zen yeah. feeling. My husband
0: DJs And he really That really yeah, helps Yeah that him.
1: works for him Doesn't it I mean I think we've been Really lucky Because although we've been Isolated and in lockdown Well pretty much All the way through We've been like Oh let's just meet in the park In the morning with our dogs Yeah And have
0: a walk And I've really valued that Yeah having that That has been really calming mm. and,
1: and safe So we talked a lot there About isolation Isolation And tips to survive in isolation As we said towards the beginning Isolation can have some really serious consequences They sure can So please, if you are at home And you're feeling isolated Please reach out Yes, do reach out Do reach out, you can reach out to us um, You can go online and get support from the NHS From MIND, from the Red Cross There's loads of campaigns out there to support you right now And I know that a lot of local authorities as well Have had like, help lines open yes. During the pandemic so you can contact and they'll you know they'll they can arrange for somebody to come you know to chat to you even on the phone exactly yeah just be there because human beings we are connected and we need to be connected. we're
0: like we're like trees with roots absolutely we all need to hang out and be connected we do and to feel grounded and safe yeah um so it's probably time now for a survivor of the of the week so um this is an article uh From the Guardian, it was written, uh, well it was published on 22nd of June 2005, and the title is Lion Saves Girl from Kidnappers. Three lions rescued a girl of 12 kidnapped by men who wanted to force her into marriage. The lions chased off her abductors and protected her until she was rescued. Men had held the girl for a week in the remote southwest, repeatedly beating her. Before the lions chased her, chased them away, they stood and guarded her for half a day until the police and family found her, and then they just left her. Um, oh my god. Which is wow. amazing. If the lions had not come in, it could have been much worse. Often these young girls are raped and severely beaten and forced uh, to accept the marriage. Children. A wildlife expert with the Rural Development Ministry said that it was likely the girl had been saved because she was crying. A young girl whimpering could be mistaken for the mewing sound of a lion cub, which in turn could explain why the lions didn't eat her. The girl was shocked and terrified and had to be treated for cuts from her beating, but other than that, you know, she was back with her family. The police have caught four of the men, but are still looking for three others. The lion saved her and she That's survived. That's incredible. That is just such a,
1: wow. Go lions! That's so lovely that like badass predators are like, no, you can't have yeah, her. Yeah, they're like,
0: no. No, she's crying yeah. like a lion cub, so we're going to
1: look after yeah, her. Yeah, you can't do that to her. Oh, I love like that story. Go sure. lions! Go lions. So I guess that just leaves us with one more thing to say. Which is Don't panic
0: by toilet roll, you really don't need it And Don't fuck with the lions And keep on <laughs>